Welcome to the Burning Hearts Church Podcast. We are so glad that you're joining us this week. On this week's episode, John and Amy Clausen from GoFam Ministries share on family. We just got our Powerhouse Family course online as an e-course, and uh, it's something you guys can do as a family. And uh, if if you're quarantining, uh, which some people are. That's a great thing to do. Uh, and you just go to the next slide. And I've, I've begun doing a podcast starting in January uh, called Pushback. And the, the heart of it is talking about culture. Family is our favorite word. Culture is my short, close second favorite word. Uh, you know, the definition of culture is the sum total ways of living passed on from generation to generation. And a lot of times we live culturally with just the first part, the sum total ways of living, and we ignore the last part, which is what we pass on generationally and culturally. And, and how many know that as family goes, so goes the culture? That's not something that I made up. That's what sociologists actually say. It's actually been true since the garden. It's been true all throughout history. It's true today. It will always be true. As family goes, so goes the culture. And, and this push, pushback podcast is, is really about our role as Christian families on this earth to not be subject to the culture, but to set the culture. We're actually placed on this earth to be culture setters. And, and, and when we understand the ways of living, the sum total ways of living, how many know that the Bible says that his ways are higher than our ways? That means that his culture is higher than our culture, his ways of living. And, and, and when we think about passing things generationally, we can take everybody, you know, we have a real divided country, you know, so, so, so socially divided. And yet if you ask a hundred parents, you know, do you care what you pass on to your children? Every one of them would say, yes, we all care what we pass on. We all want the best for our children. And so we can look to God's ways being higher than our ways and that we can actually connect to those as the superior way. Like we can take it to the bank that what he tells us and his ways, his culture that he's created for us, which is what we're going to talk about this morning, is actually higher than anything that we could ever dream of. And so we, I was laughing with Ted and Janie yesterday because, you know, 2020, 2020 was like the best year to ever talk about a podcast about culture. <laughs> Just think about what's happened this year. You know, we've had, you know, social unrest and riots and this election and a pandemic and all of these things. And so I've had plenty of things to talk about. Um, but once a week on Wednesdays, I, I, I release this podcast. It's only about 25 minutes long. Um, and it's about culture. It's about the culture and the role that we play in culture. And so I'd, I'd invite you, it's on YouTube as well, if you'd like to see my face uh, speaking about it as well. But I've really, really enjoyed it. And I feel like it's been powerful. So as family goes, so goes the culture. So family is a, is a, is a strong and, and powerful word, um, full of emotion, isn't it? Because, you know, as Ted mentioned, I'm a, I'm a family physician. I work in the ER. And... Uh, and when you're a physician, you see, the, you see the good, the bad, and the ugly of family. And I could talk to you for an hour some of the stories that I've had with um, unbelievable joy and unbelievable sorrow. I'd start crying before you. If I, even as I think about it, I get emotional because I've seen some really horrible things in family as well. And so family is a powerful word. It's an emotionally charged word. 
And, and when, when something is painful and something hurts, human nature is to try to change what it is. When we see the dilution of family, when we see the redefinition of family, it actually makes sense because it's a culture of pain towards family. If we just simply change what it is and it change what it means, then maybe it won't hurt so bad. And that's what we're seeing in our culture right now, that things are, every, everything is being referred to as family. And now that I've said that to you, you'll actually start seeing it. You'll see it, you'll see it on commercials and on billboards. Everything is being referred to as family. And the reason is, is there is a, is there, there is a dilution that's taking place. If, if, every, if my Wednesday night bowling league can be my Wednesday night bowling league family, then maybe it'll fill a need that I have for family, even though the bowling league could never do that. It's never what it was created to do. Or if we can redefine it and call it something different and make it look different, then maybe it won't hurt so much. Um, if you go to the next slide, oh no, this, this slide's good. Um, you know, they've used the word family in advertisement ever since there's been advertisement. And they throw the word up there because it creates an emotion. It creates, hopefully, a, a warm, fuzzy feeling. You can go to the next slide. So in Olive Garden, when you're here, you're family. That's their tagline. The problem is, is that I've never gone to my mother's house and she's charged me for the food. <laughs> or I've had to leave her a tip, right? I mean, Olive Garden isn't family, is it? But it's trying to create something so when you go through the door, you feel accepted. There's a, there's a warmth connected to it. Next slide, please. Okay, so I think this is Alina Health. This is in the Twin Cities. And they have these billboards all throughout the, the Twin Cities that says, we'll treat you like family in a good way. So there's so many things wrong with this billboard. I don't know where to start. So first of all, they don't obviously treat you like family because they don't know who you are. So you go in and they put an identification band on you to try to identify you, right? And then charge you, you know, $300 for a Tylenol or whatever, right? Um, and it says in a good way because they know how dysfunctional family is. So they, so they put up the word family and then they kind of go, oh, well, that might not be a good thing. So it's the good side of family. Next slide. So um, how many know that the NFL has taken some public relation hits lately? They've had some issues on the field, off the field, right? And so about three or four years ago, they started this campaign that says football is family, I have absolutely no idea what that means. <laughs> and neither do they. If you actually go on their website, they don't talk about family or any of those kind of things. They talk a little bit about some of their community service and stuff. But they put the word family up there because they want to create some kind of positive feeling for the things that they are doing. Next slide. I think, um, I think Kristen DiArpa is... Has she ever been here? Long time ago. Kristen's a dear friend of ours, so she knows that I'm kind of tuned into this whole fam everything is family thing. So she's driving down the road and sticks her phone out the window and takes a picture of this truck driving by. So I went on the website, next slide, Jack Daniels isn't just whiskey, it's a family. <laughs> Who knew, right? <laughs> Who knew? So this next one, you're going to think that I made this up, but I really didn't. I mean, this is, this is real, only just because Jesus loves me. So go to the next one. This summer... Get the sausage family together. So this is Johnsonville. So I went to their website, and let me just read this to you. Next slide. At Johnsonville, we like to think a sausage is more than just a sausage. It's a bonding agent that makes friends, family, and even your Snoopy neighbor feel like part of your family. Share a Johnsonville brought with someone, and you're basically welcoming them to your sausage family. 
Well, summer is finally here, and it's the perfect time to fire up the grill, throw on some sizzling, delicious Johnsonville brats, and get the sausage family together. Because at Johnsonville, we don't make sausage, we make family and sausage. (laughs) There's something really funny about this, but also just a little bit sad, isn't it? There's a sadness connected to this because they're trying to tap into something that's missing, and they're willing to go so far as to say that even eating a bratwurst is going to make you feel like a family. And so there's something missing. It's, it's a dilution where everything is considered family, whereas the time that we live in, I believe it's so critically important that we know what family is and what it was created for. And we have to go back to the very beginning of time what the Father created family to be so that we don't even for a minute dilute it or redefine it. The world needs strong families. Why? Because as family goes, so goes the culture. So what is the culture? What, what did he create for us? Well, here's the almighty God, and, and he's creating the world, and he's setting things into place. And if you haven't read Genesis 1 or 2 for a while, I just encourage you to go back and read it from a perspective of a father creating a home for his children. You know, the first five and a half days of creation is a little bit like a stage that's being set where there's different pieces that are placed um, for the anticipation of what's coming on day six. There's some, I don't think anybody in this room would argue that day six was pretty special. There was something special. Amy just mentioned that it was very good. There was something about day six that took place that was, that was super important for us. And so he, he creates this set. He, he drops the first family into the Garden of Eden and then he confronts them and speaks to them. And the first thing that he says to them in Genesis 1.28 is to be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Now that term, that phrase in Genesis 1.28, interestingly, is referred to as the cultural mandate. Why is it called that? Because as family goes, so goes the culture. It was the father's heart from the very beginning of time that, that we as families would actually set the culture on the face of the earth. And so he says, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have you ever considered that the father created the world unfilled and unsubdued. Have you ever thought about that? Why would he do that? He did it because he wanted us to play a part in his creation. He wanted us to play a role in whatever he created to actually reproduce his culture over the face of the earth. This is critically important to understand that Adam and Eve were not responsible for the whole world. And neither are you. So you can all just relax. <laughs> You're not in charge of the whole world. You're in charge of what he gave you. And if you read Genesis 1 and 2, chapter 1 and 2, you'll see that there was a very specific place called Eden that the Father created for them. It had a geographical outline, if you read it. And inside of it was this extravagant, glorious place that the Father created for them, which they were supposed to tend and keep. That was Adam and Eve's to tend and keep. The culture that he set for them at the beginning of time was that their children then were supposed to reproduce that culture over the face of the earth so that the rest of the world would carry and demonstrate the culture of Eden. It was a family plan that he put into place so that they would have children. They would take the culture from Eden and, and geographically move and recreate and represent that culture over the face of the earth. 
That was the plan. That's what he set into place, that they would fill it and they would subdue it. Their children would hold and steward the culture. So we know the story, right? Genesis chapter three happens. We kind of wish it hadn't, but it did. Genesis three happens and we turn our back on the plan, right? We sin and we rebel and we reject his plan. But, but please hear me in this. This is the most important part of the whole message. When God sets a plan in place, we don't have the authority and power to cancel it. <laughs> He's God, right? When he puts a plan in place, it sticks. And, and, and the, 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 the can't, we, didn't, we can't cancel the plan because we walked away from it and rebelled from it. The plan is still in place. In fact, when you look at the cultural mandate, um, all throughout the book of Genesis, even after the fall, it's repeated over and over and over again. If we had time, I could give you 9, 10, 11 examples of how the cultural mandate is actually repeated. Um, the most, the most um, notable ones is Abraham, when he says, look at the stars and all the descendants. They should all be yours, so be fruitful and multiply. Noah hops off the boat. What's the first thing that's said to him? Be fruitful, multiply. It's the cultural mandate because it was his heart and it was his culture from the very beginning of time. And so here's the punchline. There is no plan B. <laughs> when God sets a plan in place and he set it on the backbone of family that we are to reproduce the culture of Eden over the face of the earth, there is no plan B. And you may say, now wait a minute, Jesus was plan B. But I would submit to you that Jesus actually came to restore plan A. See, when we sinned and rebelled, um, the, the result of the fall and the curse of sin wasn't, wasn't the, the, the new order of things. It was the out of order of things. And Jesus came to actually bring us back into his divine order, the heart of the Father and what he created for us. So what did he create for us? He created us a culture of Eden. If you want to put up the next slide. If you go through Genesis chapter 2, um, I could spend an hour, an hour and a half just on this and go through the, each of these individually. If you just dissect Genesis chapter 2, these are the cultural pieces that could easily be drawn out of this glorious place that the Father created for his children. And, and how many in this room would want this culture for your home? All of us would. This is a glorious culture. And, and the, the, the root, um, the reason that we were created, the reason this culture was created is that he wanted to be with us. Rooted in relationship and presence. This, this might be revelation to some people, but the Father created you because he wants to hang out with you. <laughs> Just let that settle for a couple minutes. <laughs> the Father actually created you because he wants to hang out with you. That was his heart from the very beginning of time. You know, it says that they walked with him in the cool of the day. We skip over these verses like they're just like, what? I mean, let's think about that for a second. Adam and Eve like hung out with, this, with God. <laughs> it, was, it was their culture. It was, it, was, it was normalcy for them to just be in the culture and the spirit of the living Father. So what we experienced this morning in worship, uh, that, that relationship, that feeling that we had of his presence, that's, that's, what, that's, what he, that's what he's always wanted. It was always what we were rooted in. And, and family, family was put into place so that we would reproduce that culture over the face of the earth. And there is no plan B. There is no plan B. See, I think Jesus, Jesus definitely came on a salvation mission. 
right? I think we can all agree on that. He came to save us. We live with him for eternity. We give our hearts to him. He died for us. He took away our sins. All of these things should be celebrated. Um, but I believe there, that he also came on a restoration mission. He came on a restoration mission. He actually came to declare a father to an orphaned world. He came to tell us what his father's heart was like. He, he came and he, told, he spoke parables and said the kingdom of heaven is like. So every time you read that in the New Testament, he's actually coming to tell us what his father's kingdom is like. The kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom of heaven is like. And he would tell us that because he wanted us to be ushered back into the divine presence of a father who created this culture for us. And we are to steward it. We are to fill the earth with it. And we are to subdue the earth with it. That's, that's the heart that he gave. And so I don't think it's any coincidence that we, we go forward with the story of us turning our back on the Father. And I think this is really, really critical for us to understand that he never turned his back on us. He never turned his back on us. We walked away from his perfect plan and all he did throughout the Old Testament is pursue us. He pursued us and he pursued us. He wanted to touch us and he wanted to be with us. And it says in Galatians, when the fullness of time had come, he sent forth his son. And my interpretation of that is that he just couldn't wait any longer. He, he knew the only way to get us, to usher us back into his divine presence. And the only way that he could do that was through his son. And so I don't think it's any coincidence that the last prophetic word of the Old Testament before the season of Jesus, before the ushering in of his presence that you read about, for unto us a child is born, before that happened, there was a, a prophetic word, the last prophetic word of the Old Testament. It's in Malachi 4.6. And it says, and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. Why, why would that be the last prophetic utterance of the Old Testament because it knew what was about to happen. Jesus was going to come to actually bring restoration to the Father's original heart, which was what? It was family. It was on the backbone of family. And in order for him to do that, the hearts of the fathers would need to be turned. The word turn is actually the word restore. He would come and he would restore right relationships and family so that we could be ushered in once again to the culture that he created for us. That should make us really happy. And in Luke 19, this is a, a verse that I believe is often actually misinterpreted. So many people have heard Luke 19, verse 10, for the Son of Man has come to save the lost, to seek and save the lost. But if you actually read it, that's not what it says. It says, for the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. It's a big difference, isn't it? He came to seek and save that which was lost, the culture that he created for us. Jesus actually came to, bring the, to be the restorer of the Father's heart, to restore plan A. Are you starting to get a feel for how important your family is? <laughs> it was the center of what he created for us at the beginning of time. And Jesus came and he died and he shed his blood to actually make it possible again for you to fulfill your destiny. Fulfill your destiny. I sounded like Darth Vader there. <laughs> Fulfill your destiny. <laughs> but that's why you were created. That's why you're here and placed into families is to be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. 
So we go from Genesis chapter three, where we turn our back on him to Acts chapter three, which is a story and a message of restoration. If you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter three, verse 11. So this is the story of, now I'm losing my voice a little bit, but I'll try to sing it again. Peter and John went to pray. They met a lame man on the way. You can sing it with me. He held out his palms and asked for some alms, and this is what Peter did say. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Okay, so it's that story. This is the story. So this guy, crippled from birth, everybody knows him. He's sitting at the gate. Um, Peter and John walk by. This guy asks for money. They said, we don't have any money, but we might have something that might interest you. (laughs) In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. This guy gets completely and radically restored. Completely healed. And he goes ballistic, as any of us would. (laughs) His whole life, crippled. All of a sudden, completely restored and healed, he goes wild. He goes wild to the, to the degree that a crowd gathers at the portico of Solomon because he's creating such a ruckus. And Peter stands up and delivers this message, which in my opinion, I believe is the most important New Testament message that's ever been released. And, and he doesn't have a smartphone. He doesn't have a, a, a prepared message for what was going to happen, right? This is Peter, the fisherman, standing up and delivering this through the unction of the Holy Spirit. And this is what he says. But the most important piece, in my opinion, to this is that this guy who was completely restored, Jesus came on a restoration mission, he's completely restored, is actually hanging on him as he's giving the message. It's an important piece. Because so many people who get uncomfortable with the restoration power of Jesus try to push Acts chapter 3 to the second coming or to push it away and say, well, that's not going to happen yet. But if you read the tense and, and the verse of this, there's no way to make that conclusion. Peter is talking about what is happening now and he's talking about this dude who is completely restored actually hanging on him. So you have to get the reference for how he is delivering this message. So picture me reading this with this guy who's making a ruckus actually physically on him. (laughs) Okay, does that create the picture? Let's read it. Acts 3, verse 11. Now as the lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the porch, which is called Solomon, greatly amazed. I love this part. So when Peter saw it, he responded to the people, Men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why look so intently at us as though by our own power or godliness we made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy One and the just and asked for a murderer to be granted to you and killed the Prince of Life, whom God raised from the dead, of which we are witnesses. And his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect soundness. Everybody say, perfect soundness. The perfect soundness is actually interpreted as restoration. That's what that word means. In the presence of you all. Yet now, brethren, I know you did it in ignorance, as did also your rulers. But those things which God foretold by the mouth of his prophets that the Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. 
past tense. Done. Fulfilled. Right? Repent, therefore, and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. <laughs> and that he may send Jesus Christ, who has preached to you before, whom heaven must receive until the times of restoration of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of his holy prophets since the world began. For Moses truly said to the fathers, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet from, like me from your brethren. Him you shall hear in all things, whatever he says to you. And it shall be that every soul who will not hear that prophet shall be utterly destroyed from among the people. Yes, and all the prophets from Samuel and those who follow, as many as have spoken, have also foretold these days. These days. You are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying to Abraham, and listen to this, and in your seed, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Do you see the richness that is contained in what Peter just laid out for us? He is saying, because Jesus died and he is resurrected, the power of his resurrection, we should see a manifestation of that here on this earth, so much so that it shouldn't even surprise you that you see this guy restored. And so the, the first manifestation of his resurrection and his blood is the fact that we are healed, that we are healed and restored just like this guy right here. The second thing that we should see is that we should be able to find refreshment in his presence. See, my friends, when we walked away from his perfect culture, we separated ourselves. But Jesus came along and he, he rent the veil in two so that we get to step into the Holy of Holies and once again walk with him in the cool of the day. That's what he's offering us. The culture that was found in Eden is afforded to us again, and we can find refreshment in his presence just like we felt this morning and we felt undone by it. This is what his blood purchased for us, and we can all understand that his presence is what we hunger after is because it's in our DNA. But the third thing that we see that should be manifested here on this earth is that all the families of the earth would be blessed. Why was that thrown into the list? Because it was his original heart and plan from the very beginning of time. And Jesus, the restorer, came to bring life and wholeness and blessing back to families. Why? Because it was the Father's heart from the very beginning of time. He came on a restoration mission so that we should see healing and his presence and that families would be whole, restored, healthy, blessed. It's actually the manifestation that we should not even be surprised to see living on this side of the cross. It's a big deal. Our families are so important and critical that I would submit to you that Jesus even died for it. And I don't want one drop of his blood to be shed in vain. Everything that he purchased, I want. <laughs> are you with me on that? Everything, which means right relationships and families wholeness, restoration, so that we get to be the demonstration of his culture here on this earth. Oh. <laughs> That's why he did it. Jesus died, that there would be a manifestation. See, 
we, we felt his glory this morning. Amy and I have been so encouraged because there's been these prophetic words that have been coming out in the last several years, I would say two or three years, over and over and over again, that the, that the sort of this new revival, what is coming, is going to be glory and family. Glory and family. And so we've been leaning into that. Why? Why? Why glory and family? Isn't his glory enough? Well, of course his glory is enough. But family brings something to the equation. It brings a sustainability. It brings a reproducibility. Family is critical to what the Lord is doing on the face of this earth in regards to stewarding his glory. We think that revival is the fact that God needs to be revived. God doesn't need to be revived, does he? He's the same today, yesterday, and forever. His spirit is always flowing, like Ted said this morning. It's always forward movement, always. He never waxes or wanes. He never sleeps or slumbers. God is moving. And, and when we have a church that is, that is wanting to embrace and to run with glory, we need to have strong families as the foundation, the foundation, <coughs> excuse me, so that, so that we can actually create a culture of revival. Isn't that what we want? A culture of revival. Yes, my squeaking. <laughs> Thank you. I think for too long, we've looked at revival as these emotional sips from the river. This river is coming by and we dip our little toe in it and say, hallelujah. <laughs> and we call this revival. That's not revival. Revival is the river that's always flowing and we decide to jump in. Like Geronimo, ah, and we, that's called revival. And we want, we want revival. We talk about revival culture. We don't want just these emotional little moments. We want to live in his presence, in his glory. And family actually creates a structure, a nest, a place for his glory to come and stay. So that this becomes part of what this house is. This house is a, is glory. It, it stewards the glory. But it's not just for us, but it's culture, which is the sum total ways of living passed from generation to generation. So that our children embrace the glory even to a greater degree than we have. That it's a movement. It's forward movement. Family brings that reproducibility and that sustainability. Glory and family. For too long, it's been glory despite family or glory at the expense of family. It's not what he's doing anymore. He's restoring his culture to us. So your family healed and restored is the expected manifestation of the resurrected Christ. See, I, I gave the example in the first service that that you know, even probably three or four decades ago, certainly in my lifetime, the, uh, we, we used to pray for healing for people, but we didn't always necessarily know how to do that because we didn't want to stomp on the sovereignty of God. So we do like wimpy prayers. Everybody who's old enough, maybe, we've done, done the, the, the ah shucks, gosh, God, you know, if it's your will, um, I would really love you to heal this person, um, but if it's not, that's okay too. And um, so I wish you the best, amen. And we do these prayers because we didn't really quite know. And, and what happened is, through some dynamic teaching and some revelation, we understood the heart of God. 
And we understood that his heart is to bring healing and that he can't give you something that he doesn't have. He's not the author of cancer. He's the one that brings healing to cancer. That's his role. That's his job description. And we, be, we began to understand who he was and what his nature was. And, and the result of that was is that we stopped being wimpy Christians and we understood who we were. And with authority that has been given to us through, through the power of Jesus, we began to pray for people with authority. And guess what started to happen? People started getting healed because we, we tapped into his spirit and who he was. Well, I, I, I feel like this is in the infancy, and yet I, I feel like this is what's happening in this family movement right now. It's the same spirit. It's the same blood that was shed so that there is a confidence. <coughs> there is a confidence. There is a strength that just like we can have somebody come up with back pain and we pray for them with authority and with confidence of who he is, I believe that we can pray for a family in the same manner, in the same confidence, and say, this family is going to be healed and restored. And, we, and I wouldn't be standing here today if I didn't have that confidence that's what he's doing right now. He's bringing healing and restoration and life to your family, to family relationships, because it's critical. I know his heart in it. I don't have to guess whether it's his will that your family is healed. And you might be sitting here and saying, gosh, Dr. Johnny, you don't understand. You don't, you don't know me. You don't know the pain. You don't know the bad decisions that I've made. You don't know, you don't know the, the scars and the pain over life. And, and our family is disqualified. Well, I would submit to you that that's not the voice of the Lord telling you that. It's an enemy that wants to keep you divided, keep you separated, keep you from understanding the fullness and the potential of who you are. Because you are critical to his culture and you're critical to what he is doing on the face of the earth. So Amy and I love declarations. So let's do these together. Are you ready? Repeat after me. I was created because my father likes me. <laughs> and he likes to hang out with me. My family is important and was created with destiny to shape culture on the earth. My family is plan A and there is no plan B. My God is a God of restoration. Do you believe that? <laughs> So how many in this room need restoration in family, in any relationship in your family? If that's you, I'm just gonna have you stand. If you need restoration in family, husbands and wives, mothers, fathers, children, brothers and sisters, grandmas and grandpas, if you need restoration in family, just stand. <clears throat> and we're gonna pray with confidence we don't have to guess his will on this. Your family is critical. Your healed and restored family is critical to the face of this earth. It's why, it's why you're here. You're here to impact the world and to bring culture. Now, that may seem super intimidating to you and say, well, I don't, I don't know. I'm not here to change the world. Well, the point is, is that you are here as family to be a representation of his culture. And it doesn't have to be heavy lifting. It's just being family. And I am telling you, because we're in family ministry, <laughs> and as a physician, and my experience in ministry, that the world is hungry for a demonstration of healthy family. We were playing football one time up at our, 
at a condo that we were at, and we were outside playing football, just playing football. Maybe football is family. <laughs> we were out playing football, <laughs> and, and, uh, and it started to rain, and how many know for kids, raining in football just ramps it up even more. I mean, that's not a reason to come in. That's a reason to keep playing. So we're out there playing, and make a long story short, we're coming in, and we're wet, and we're muddy, and we just enjoyed each other. And one of the housekeepers at this condo was there, and at this resort, and she came up to us with tears in her eyes and said, I was watching you guys play. And then it started to rain and you didn't come in, but you just kept playing. And she goes, I never experienced that with my father. And she goes, she goes I just wanna let you know that it was a huge blessing to me to watch you guys laughing and enjoying each other. We were just playing football. <laughs> and it, it impacts the world because they are hungry for a demonstration of what family looks like, a healthy family. So it's critical. It's critical that our families are restored and they're healed. So just close your eyes and put your hands out. And I'm just going to release a prayer over you. A prayer for healing. So Holy Spirit, just come and do only what you can do. Holy Spirit, you are outside of time and you are the restorer. Jesus, through your blood that you shed for us, it's restoration blood and we release your blood into this place over every family represented and everyone who's standing here today and those who are, are watching on live stream. I just release the blood of Jesus into your home that brings restoration and life and I release healing right now in Jesus' name over these family relationships, over a spirit of division, over pain and hurt and generational problems. Lord God, you are outside of time and you are all powerful. <coughs> and so I just release your hand, your good hand, your healing hand right now over these homes and over these relationships. And I declare healing right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And so now the message to you this morning is get ready. I mean, I'm that confident that he is the restorer. That, that means get ready. And so there might be some things that need to be done to prepare your heart for restoration. Don't be surprised if the phone rings or a letter comes in the mail or if the Holy Spirit tells you to make a phone call. Don't be surprised if these things happen because he's the, he's the one that brings reconciliation. He, he loves it. He loves it when families come together. And, and we, need to, we need to push through pain. Sometimes we need to even ask for help. If we have some deep-rooted issues, seek some sozo, seek some counsel. Um, lean into this because unless you know that it's important, you won't seek restoration. If you continue to listen to the lies of the enemy, he's, he wants to keep your family divided and impotent and, 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 and a, a non-factor on this world. But things today shift. It shifts today. Go ahead, babe. So the verse, there is therefore now no condemnation yeah. for those who are in Christ Jesus, keeps reverberating through me. And the key word there is no. No means no. <laughs> Okay, and so when the Lord begins to unfurl the fullness of what he wants and what his design is for family, the <clears throat> enemy loves to come in and point out to us how we fall short. Yeah. And I just want to do a preemptive strike yeah. on the lie that yeah. follows, that it has no ground. Right because Jesus. there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is none. Mm -hmm. He does the restorative work. Yeah. We say yes, we receive, and we do not allow any lie of the enemy to take root yeah. in Jesus' name. Yeah. Good. He gets cut off. Mm -hmm. You receive the fullness of life. Yeah, that's good. That's good. 
So Holy Spirit, we just seal what you have done today and what you will continue to do in these homes, Lord God. That just even the families that are represented in this church today, if they receive the revelation of the importance for which they were created, will change this region in a generation. So Holy Spirit, come and do your work. You love this world. You love this country with all of its problems and turmoil. You love it. And you've placed us here not to be subject to the culture, but to set the culture. So Father, I just release these families into their destiny. And as they, and as they see and they testify of the goodness of God and the healing of their families, Lord, that it will be a demonstration to this region that it's possible. Healthy family is possible. Not only possible, but essential. So Jesus, I thank you for the price that you paid. I thank you, for, Father, for the beautiful culture that you created that is once again afforded to us, and we receive it. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope this message encouraged you today. For more information about Burning Hearts Church and our mission, please head to burningheartsfargo.com. If you are in the Fargo area, we would love for you to join us at one of our Sunday services, either 9 or 1045 a.m. Have a great rest of your week.